You're listening to the Happy as a Mother podcast. Today, I am so excited to welcome back Larissa Jalaris to the show. Larissa was on episode 73 titled The Overstimulated Mummy, and it is our most popular episode to date. Larissa is an occupational therapist and mom of two. Her specialty in this field is the treatment of sensory processing disorder, and she takes her knowledge and understanding of our sensory systems to really unpack overstimulation and noise sensitivity, feeling touched out, all of these things for parents, which is why I've asked Larissa to come back on the show to hone in specifically on managing noise in parenthood. Why is noise so triggering? What are the various pieces that contribute to noise being so triggering for many of us? How noise is linked and embedded in our fight or flight system? And ways for us to practically manage noise in high transition or chaotic times in parenthood. You might be surprised to find out in this episode that noise canceling earphones or headbuds are not the go-to strategy for learning to tolerate and manage noise in an effective way. So many practical tools and tips that come out of this episode. Let's hear my conversation with Larissa. Many of us didn't grow up with parents who apologized. Our parents' tough love generation often didn't feel the need to explain themselves to children. But now we know better. We understand that our relationships with children matter and that mutual respect, love, and care can help us build those relationships. One of the best ways to foster that respect is through repair. When you apologize to your child for losing your cool and commit to doing things differently, you're not showing weakness, you're showing strength. You can break the generational cycles of parenting and model for your children how to do better, even after the moments you aren't proud of. Dr. Ashari Nareem, Psyched Mummy, and I offer a free masterclass to teach you our three-step method for repairing with your child after you lose your cool. We cover how to measure a secure bond with your child, understanding the power of repair, practical ways to repair with your child, and more. I know you're here because you want change. You want to end that generational cycle. Give yourself the tools you need to parent more freely. Register for our free masterclass at happyasamother.co slash masterclass. That's happyasamother.co slash masterclass. Welcome to the Happy as a Mother podcast, where we are dedicated to helping you cope with the load of motherhood. I'm your host and registered psychotherapist, Erica Jossa. Let's work together in letting go of shame and guilt, accepting where we are in our journey, and moving towards becoming the women we want to be. We will hear from experts, learn practical tips, and listen in on honest conversations. Please note that the information shared in this podcast is for educational purposes only and should not replace the advice of your healthcare provider. Okay, let's dive in. Larissa, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the show again today. It's been about a year or so since we've chatted and I'm just so excited to have you back. Yeah, I am so excited to be back on here. 
it was so much fun the last time and I'm so excited to dive in a little bit more today. We were just joking off air about the technology glitches we were having the first time around, but our first episode was number 73 and we called it the overstimulated mummy. It is our top downloaded episode. It's at almost 20,000 downloads, just that one episode alone. So yeah, that clearly overstimulation is totally a thing in parenthood, isn't it? Yes. I mean, I think the fact that you've had such good feedback says so much about that topic because parents are, they're struggling and a lot of people don't really talk about it. And then the ones that do talk about it don't fully understand exactly what's going on. It's just kind of the baseline. Oh, we're overstimulated to throw some earplugs in, which is Mm -hmm. great, but it's so much deeper than that. And so I'm excited Mm -hmm. to be able to provide that. Yeah. Today, we're going to hone in on the topic of noise because overstimulation can mean a lot of things, but noise, particularly for parents, I hear is such a big one. That and maybe we'll do a follow-up on being touched out one of these days. We'll see. (laughs) Sounds good. But you're coming at this from an OT perspective. So like Mm -hmm. when I think overstimulation, I might think like anxiety or I might you know, see it just from a different perspective, like a therapist lens, and you're coming at it from an OT perspective. So I would really love for us to understand like how we frame overstimulation or noise and why it's so triggering. Yeah. So like you said, I'm an occupational therapist. And so what we do is we help people who are experiencing some barrier to participating in their daily lives. So this could be a disease, an injury, developmental disability, um, in this case, overstimulation, we help them engage in their lives in meaningful, purposeful ways. And so my specialty is sensory processing. So I work with people on the way that their body interprets sensory information from the environment and also from their own body, and then support them so they can respond to that with intention. I also have two kids, a four-year-old and a one-year-old, so my house is super loud. So (laughs) I'm right there in it. That's one of the things I love about your platform, and I know I jumped right into simulation and and noise here, but you've taken this information that I feel like is often more accessible to usually children, I think, or Mm -hmm. like I think of my son who's neurodivergent and has like sensory sensitivities, right? Right. But you've taken this information and you've applied it to parenthood on your platform, and you've really made it really accessible. And I'm so curious how your platform is going and what the response to your resources and things have been. Yeah, it's been really great. I get messages all the time like, I didn't realize this had a name or, you know, I thought I was alone in feeling like this. It gives me chills even just thinking about it, seeing how many moms and dads are getting validation for the way that they're feeling and recognizing that they're not alone in this and also that there's reasons for the way that they're feeling and there are things you can do to support yourself in that. Yeah, information from this perspective is it doesn't feel very accessible to parents. So I'm really excited for us to unpack this more today. And like what came out of our previous episode was such practical tools for parents. And that was a lot of what people had to say was like, oh my goodness, I tried this and it was so helpful and it worked so much. So good. And is noise, do you find like right up there in one of the biggest complaints that you receive? Oh yeah. Noise and being touched out are the two biggest ones. Two biggest ones. I'm going to note that touched out one. We're going to come back to that one, I feel like, one of these days. sounds (laughs) great. Yeah. So I imagine we're dealing with like quite a complex system here, one Mm -hmm. that I don't really understand. So why is noise so triggering? Yeah. I know that that's loaded. It is a loaded question. 
you know, like I was saying, as an OT, I look at a person holistically within their roles, their habits, their routines, their rituals. But everybody listening here is you're listening because you're overwhelmed with noise. And so we will talk about that. But we also want to look at what are the underlying challenges that might be making your ability to manage noise or to adapt to changes in noise more difficult. Hmm. So keep all of that in mind as we talk today. There are a couple of diagnosable auditory issues that you might have, or it could just be in general that your sensory system is overwhelmed by the noise of the household, and then you begin to have defensive responses and emotional reactions to sound. Hmm. So some of the auditory disorders that you might have would be like hyperacusis, where you hear too well, kind of like Dolores from Encanto. Hmm. or misophonia, which is like the hatred of sound. And frequently that's correlated with mental health disorders like anxiety or OCD. And you get this hyper-awareness or distress of sound. A lot of times that is mouth sounds, like chewing or breathing. Hmm. Or you could have phonophobia, which is the fear of sound. So you could have one of those or through your life and sensory experiences, either as through your childhood or as a parent, your sensory system has been primed towards defense in response to sound. So this could be trauma, it could be neurodivergence, it could be hereditary, or it might simply be that your new role as a parent is to protect your children, and now your nervous system is primed for that. Hmm. That's a really interesting point because I actually hear from clients and parents a lot that noise can trigger like anger in them or like noise used to be dealt with in anger or like is linked to some sort of trauma for them and can be very Mm -hmm. uh, like agitating in a way. So it's interesting that you've linked that to sort of like a defensive. Is that what you had said? Defensive? Yeah. Yeah. When you get triggered by noise, it's because your system is primed towards defense. Mm -hmm. And then, but the Auditory system is one part of our sensory systems, and it's intimately involved with other parts of our systems, most notably the vestibular system and the visual system. And so the vestibular system is the system in our inner ear that helps us understand the position of our head and our body in relationship to gravity. So this tells us if we're upside down, if we're right side up, if we're falling, if we're moving forward or backward, and how quickly we're going. It registers movement and anchors us into our place in space. And then it integrates that movement with everything else, with all of our other senses. And because it's located in the inner ear, sound actually enters directly underneath those gravity receptors. So from that alone, you can't tease apart auditory and vestibular because anatomically they're connected, Hmm. which is why you can feel low frequency sounds in your body. The other system that's intimately involved in this is the visual system, which of course registers what we see. So we use this as our primary sense to make sense of everything else. And so, for example, if you feel something tickling you, you look to see what it is. Or if you hear a loud noise, you orient towards that noise to see what it is. If you're falling, you might look towards the ground to see how far you have left to fall. We do all of that through our visual field and It also alerts us of movement in the environment. So that's another early detection of danger. Hmm. So these three systems, the auditory, the visual, and vestibular, they work together to provide us with a solid understanding of where we are in our environment so we can attend and engage with the people around us or the tasks that require our attention. And they send signals then to our postural or our musculature systems so that we can orient and respond adaptively. Hmm. 
I'm thinking about that in terms of like our fight or flight response. Yes. Because I think of being triggered and like sensory stimulation around us as having like an impact on our fight or flight response and how like our amygdala and certain parts of our reaction are like wired into our brain before we've even sort of like processed or caught up with, right? Uh And my Uh understanding of the nervous system in this way from this clinical perspective and not like the OT perspective is that like loud noise or loud stimulation or like triggering noises can really jump our nervous system response, our fight or flight response, because it's hardwired into that response in some way. Yes, it is. So first of all, noise, it's triggering because your auditory system is meant to be triggered by it. That's Mm. what noise is. It's supposed to, it triggers you. You receive information about your environment through your sound and then a response is triggered. But we process information through two modes. And this is kind of what you're talking about is there's the discriminative mode, which allows us to understand like what the sound is. So was that my husband or my son talking? Was Mm. that cry that I just heard? Was it like an I'm hurt cry or was it my brother just stole my toy cry? You know, we hear the nuances in sound and can discriminate about what it is. Mm -hmm. But then there's the evaluative mode. And so that's that protective part of the brain that that pathway terminates in your limbic system. So that's what you were just talking about. So you get this increase in emotional, reflexive, and defensive responses. And then this sets up your body to move. And that's a really important part of it is it sets your body to move. Mm -hmm. And so that's that fight or flight when you think about sound, there will either be a match with what your nervous system is expecting or there will be a mismatch. So when there's a match, like the sound of our children giggling and playing safely, then we become habituated to it and we can basically tune it out. But there might be a mismatch, like a distressed cry or the sound of a child gagging or the sound of a car driving up behind you when you're going for a walk. So this causes a slight increase in autonomic activity And so there's that discriminative, what was that Mm. moment where you hear something? It's this like there's a moment of stillness and then you tune into it. Your body evaluates it and you respond to it. You either move towards the stimulus and connect with it, like you're going to go comfort your crying child, or you might have a defensive response. And adaptive response to that would be like if you are going to the side of the road to allow the car to pass. But either way, a response is triggered. Hmm. And so ultimately... The goal here is this optimal response where we respond in a way that adapts to environments and situations, but then we don't stay in that dysregulated state because you want to be able to shift into movement and relax, movement and relax, respond and then come back. Mm -hmm. So you have to be able to move fluidly between those two states. And that's really the goal of sensory processing is responding and then tuning back out. Yeah. You had mentioned something really interesting initially where it was more about how we're reacting and responding to the noise, like, you know, how emotional or sort of bothered we're becoming by it more so than the actual noise itself potentially. Is that what I'm understanding? It's like, because for example, I have three boys. I run a freaking ninja Mm. training camp. Okay. They're like (laughs) six and five and three going on four. And like, The noise levels fluctuate throughout the day, 
But sometimes it's not distressing noise. Sometimes it's just very playful, loud, having some sort of big imaginative play situation happening. Mm-hmm. But my system, I recently re- like was diagnosed ADHD as well. So I'm, that definitely plays a role now in retrospect, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. But like the level of noise starts to climb in the house, even if it's happy, like air quote, happy noise. Like I cannot, I just cannot with the noise, right? And I know a lot of other parents experience this in other ways, like maybe in the car and there's a lot of noise and it's not necessarily like a distressing thing or something that we even need to tune into or have to stop in some way because it's just Mm -hmm. happening. It's just part of like living with kids. And Mm -hmm. that type of noise can be really hard for some parents. Yeah, absolutely. So an interesting thing to think about then would be you are getting all of this noise. So we call that your soundscape. So it's the environment of sound. And so what are the sound markers within that soundscape? And so even if everybody's fine, your nervous system, this all happens subconsciously, is your nervous system is getting these cues of danger, even if it's not true danger. And I think that when there's that mismatch of like, my nervous system is getting all these cues, but actually I'm fine. Or like if you're talking about with your kids are playing, but they're just really loud. So you're subconsciously, you're getting all of this like danger, 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 but then like, it's kind of confusing. So it's hard for your nervous system to make sense of that. Mm -hmm. Are there other situations like this where you hear from parents where noise is particularly triggering for them? So like loud and noisy play in our house, for example, Mm -hmm. is a big one. For me, another big one is the freaking bathroom, like bath time. The echoing in a bathroom Mm -hmm. drives me bananas. Mm -hmm. I pretty much like if I'm the one doing bath time, I'm usually wearing earplugs because I can't. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So are there sort of like routine times in, in the day or transition that you've heard parents talk about in terms of triggers? That's funny because I just last week on Instagram, I posted or I asked like a question box because I was talking about routines and when to insert like a sensory strategy. And so I posted a question box and I was like, let us know when you feel like you get the most triggered. And there were multiple responses, but within those, there were eight common themes. Mm -hmm. And it was literally every part of the day. And so it depended. <laughs> it depends on the so then parent, I, yeah. I guess. Yeah. So I, then I turned it into a reel and I said, like, here's the times you might be prone to overstimulation. And it was like morning routine between school and dinner, between dinner and bed, getting ready for bed. And it was literally like every part of the day or making meals or dealing with transitions. And somebody even commented. She was like, so all day? isn't motherhood lovely isn't it so fun (laughs) but again this was coming from hundreds of different parents and those were the eight common themes and so Mm. so you want to look at what it is for you and so for you you're saying it's bath time Mm -hmm. so bath time it's loud in there the kids are wild they are usually overtired so that makes them like even worse but you're also overtired and so if you were going to do bath time in the morning, I bet it would be a totally different experience. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of goes into the, like, it's noise for sure, but it's not just the noise. It's 
by the end of the day, if you're feeling a lot of stress or if you've already had a lot of noise in your day or you've been touched out, you get that, like I talked about earlier, that defensive response. So you're responding, you're responding, you're responding without really having a chance to relax. And then that leads us to holding intention patterns with that vestibular visual auditory triad. So we get this distress signal or we're feeling stressed out or we have this never-ending list of demands throughout the day, our body responds to that. And so our muscles tighten up, our breathing pattern changes, our whole autonomic nervous system remains in danger mode. So we're in this constant state of muscular tension, but then because our body is in that state, then we're more primed towards defense. So then we get more sound and then we get more tight. And then it's just this vicious cycle that Mm. can be really hard to break out of. But if you understand that that might be what's going on, then you can do things to stop it. Yeah. Yeah. And Psyched Mommy and I talk a lot about like rage and anger and irritation Mm -hmm. in parenthood. And what we're talking about is when we have an overly activated nervous system, we are on edge, right? Like we're more prone to lash out. We're more prone to be snippy or short or these types of things because our body's working so hard to try and regulate itself in those moments. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what I'm hearing you say is that like throughout the day, we have different tolerance levels for noise. Would you say that's correct? We may have different tolerance levels for noise. Okay. It also might be not just the day, like throughout the day, but it also could be over the course of the week where maybe on Saturday and Sunday where things are more unstructured, those might be more challenging. Or Thursday and Friday because you're already exhausted from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So you kind of want to zoom out and look at the whole picture. Hmm. Okay. I'm really curious the types of things that might like build our tolerance for noise or might help build our, maybe tolerance isn't the right word, but like our resilience or ability to manage and handle it. Yeah. So we talked about that vestibular visual auditory triad. So let's use that to look at the household environment. So visually, oh my gosh, you know, there's kids running around, there's a mess everywhere, there's balls flying in the air. You know, those are all signals of danger. And then from a vestibular standpoint, you know, you're turning around constantly to orient to whichever kid needs you, or you're bending down to pick up toys or a child. You're emptying and loading the dishwasher. It feels like a million times a day. It's a lot of arrhythmic movement, which is alerting. And then additionally, for women who have given birth, our body has changed. And so throughout pregnancy and postpartum, our deep core musculature including that pelvic floor, it drastically changes. And it doesn't often go back without intentional rehab. So we're likely missing that deep sense of stability within our body. And so all of the vestibular, auditory, visual information that should activate the core so that you can move and orient. But if our deep core is not as quick to activate or you're generally just less stable in your body, then that sends in distress signals to your nervous system. And that's not to say that if you haven't given birth, you can't get overstimulated because of course you can. But if your postural system is weaker, then that might just be one more layer in your struggle to feel grounded within a chaotic environment. Can we talk about the role of like stress or maybe neurodivergence and mental health related pieces? 
because I think about like I had a moment this morning. I'm one of those parents where like all the times of the day are pretty (laughs) overwhelming and triggering, like getting out the door in the morning, transitioning back in the house, getting through dinner, through bath, like transitions are really challenging in our house, Mm -hmm. particularly with, you know, the boys and a few of them struggle with transition. And so they become a whole thing. But when I'm thinking about that, I'm thinking about like when I am under stress or there's something different happening for me, any other like stimulation or noise around me becomes very triggering. So this morning, here's the situation, okay? I have to set an alarm to register the kids for swim. This is ridiculous, but it is really, really hard to get spots for swim lessons. And we have a pool in the backyard and we want them to all have safe, you know, swim techniques for the summer. Mm -hmm. Registration opens at 9 a.m., 9 a.m. is also the transition time out of our house this morning and everyone is running around chaotic trying to get ready. And then I've got to like clear some space to figure out this registration because spots are like ticking away as I'm there and it opens. Yeah. And so I'm like stressed and I need to focus and there's like noise around me and I could just feel myself getting ragey. I had to like walk away to another room and my husband took care of the kids and got them dropped off. But in situations where we have to focus, in situations that maybe feel like stressful, Mm -hmm. I hear these things from clients too, tend to make them like really sensitive or easily triggered by noise. Yeah. I mean, you're already stressed out. And so noise is just one more thing that stresses out your nervous system. And so it makes sense that it would be difficult to handle noise because you're already like you're already halfway to fight or flight. And so Mm. just throw some loud, sudden noises in it. You're going to go all the way. And so I think something that's really important is to recognize just what's happening. Like I'm already stressed out. My body's really tense. I have to get this done or my kids are not going to swim. And then you could go spiral into so many different things. So the first thing then would just be to validate, you know, I'm already stressed out about this and this is what's happening and it's okay. You know, I am safe. My kids are right here. They're loud, but they're here. And grounding yourself in the moment can be really, really effective. And so I like to do the five things you can hear, four things you can see. Even though we're talking about there's too much noise, it also can be really helpful to pick out five things because Mm. then it's not everything at once. It helps you make sense of what actually is happening. I hear my son throwing a ball. I hear the dishwasher running. I hear the dog drinking water, which they always drink when you're stressed out. So whatever it is, if you can pinpoint the different sound marks in your soundscape, it can help make sense of it. Mm. And then you wanna go into your body too. I feel my feet on the ground. Leaning against a wall is really helpful too because it grounds you into your body, but then it also kind of cuts your soundscape in half because you're not getting noise from behind you. Hmm. That's one of my favorite ones is just leaning against the wall because you you can't always escape. You can't go to your room and do that when the kids are just going to follow you. (laughs) So if you do that, the kids don't notice. They have no idea that you're doing something to take care of yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So it limits to just the noise being in front of you and kind of Mm -hmm. limits some of that. So standing against a wall or another big one I hear from parents, and maybe there's some practical things we can do to navigate some of these day-to-day situations, is like children either coming at mom all at the same time, like with requests, Mm -hmm. 
or whining at mom. And I feel oh, like yeah. those are those are more than just noise, but they're also noise. And so is there anything that we can do in these types of more common day-to-day parenting situations? Well, if you can figure out how to get your kids to stop whining, that would be really helpful. <laughs> right? <laughs> but I haven't figured that one out. Yeah. And you'd probably be a pretty rich person. Share it with me, please, because yeah. I yeah. didn't know the answer to that one, too. Yeah. yeah. I mean... Again, like we want to look at it from the whole picture. So there's kids running at you, whining at you. So there's auditory of the whine. There's also running towards you, which is visual. And like we said in the beginning, the visual part, you get an early detection of movement, which is a danger signal. Mm-hmm. I mean, evolutionarily speaking. Mm-hmm. And then from a vestibular standpoint, you probably have to bend down to talk to them. And so there's all three of those things happening at once. Also, you're probably trying to do something else. And so shifting from your attention on whatever you are doing to your children is another piece of that. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard because so much of the strategies are really just like being aware of what's actually happening. Just knowing like this is a lot happening at once, but that's okay. It's validating. And it gives you that sense of control that really when you feel overwhelmed, you're lacking. Mm -hmm. And so if you have the sense of out of control, everyone's coming at you at once, you can kind of piece apart like, oh, these are all the things that are actually going on. So I can say, you know what? You stay right there. Like I'll come to you. Or I'm going to sit down and I'm going to sit with my back against the cabinet on the kitchen floor and we'll talk about it. Mm. Or once you've kind of broken down like everything that's happening at once, then you can take some pieces out of it and that will help you manage it. Yeah. So it sounds like really practicing an awareness and becoming curious Mm -hmm. about what is happening in those moments, right? Right. And so with like the kids talking all at the same time. So my kids will come in from school and they all want to update me of their day and like ask what's for dinner and have a conversation Mm -hmm. with me overlapping one another, right? And I'm like, I want to hear about each of your days, but I will actually cut my ears and I'll say mommy's brain cannot interpret three different conversations at the same time. Right. And I will just like note it for them. I'll say it out loud, but I'll also sort of like limit it because I'm feeling the irritation build. And then we kind of work through some of these behavioral strategies, I would say, to work on like turn taking Mm -hmm. or we'll like grab their thought, you know, Mm -hmm. and hold it, hold your thought until it's your turn. And then we try and practice some turn taking in those moments. And By no means do we do this perfectly. And some days it's very chaotic and other days it's, you know, a little bit more smooth. But knowing that noise is a trigger for me now, we've adapted some of these things where I'll just say, oh, mommy's brain is just not hearing either one of you because you're all speaking at the same time. Right. And trying to bring it all, bring a little bit of like order to what is happening seems to really be helpful for us. Yeah. And I would say too... I would look at what your body is doing in the moment. Is your body tense? Are you standing up and looking down at them? Because if you can give yourself some stability, like literal postural stability, sit down on something. I love sitting on the floor with my back against the wall or a kitchen cabinet because it kind of like cocoons you. And so your sense of stability and your sense of where your body is in space then supports your ability to manage everything else because we can teach our children those strategies, which are so important. 
but we also need to be able to understand how we can take care of ourselves and giving yourself just postural stability is a huge thing because it cuts that out. It cuts out the need to be able to also focus on standing upright because we do that all day, every day, but it's actually a really difficult skill. Hmm. Is just standing. It's interesting that you're saying that because usually when they rush in and they come up to me, I'm usually in the process of dishing dinner up because daddy does pick mm. up. I dish up dinner and I'm like hustling and bustling about the kitchen. And then they're all coming up to me and they're all up in my space and I'm moving around and they're all in my space. So I'm like, can we just like pause? And then we all sit to the dinner table and I'm sitting in the chair and they're sitting. And then we take our turns like kind of going about our day and it feels a lot more manageable. But there is something about being in the middle of a task, as you highlighted before, that really makes that extra hard to manage because I'm already juggling several things at one time. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't make your kids do anything. And so if they're going to come at you while you're making dinner, that's fine. You also could just tune it out, you know, like (laughs) just be like, I really want to hear what you're saying. I can't focus on that right now. I mean, you were saying that you do that already, but give yourself kindness for not being able to manage that right now, because it's okay. You don't have to be able to be everything for everyone at the same time. Yeah. You can like hold it until you sit to the dinner Mm -hmm. table and it's a Mm -hmm. more appropriate time to maybe enter into that conversation or whatever. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Okay. So my like brain is reeling here. And then in terms of limiting the noise and wearing earplugs and things, like, is that a helpful and useful strategy? Or is that just sort of one one minor piece of the greater puzzle? So earplugs are wonderful when they're used judiciously. So for example, you were saying that you wear them at bath time because you just need to get through bath time. And that's totally fine because when there's a task that you know that is stressful and loud and you have to get it done without screaming at your kids because screaming at them makes them go to bed a lot later. Mm-hmm. And so you want to be able to get through it calmly, then absolutely cut out one of the demands on your body. And that would be noise. But we also know from a sensory processing standpoint that removing a sensation makes you more sensitive to it. Mm. And so if you rely on earplugs to get through the day, then you will continue to need to rely on earplugs. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So I use my loops. I have noise-canceling AirPods. I love them. But you have to be able to use them judiciously and also set yourself up so that you can manage the noise better. Mm -hmm. And that would be like really thinking about if you're holding intention patterns from being constantly activated by noise, you know, your jaw, your rib cage, your shoulders, all of these places are where you might be experiencing tension patterns. So we want to try to relax those tension patterns. And that could be through progressive muscle relaxation. It could be stretching. It could be breath work. We have to release our body from that innate tension so that you can adapt more fluidly. And so I would recommend doing something that releases those tension patterns every day. Hmm. And like, I think particularly about triggering times in the routine, like whoever's listening decides it's like the most triggering time of day. Like I think about work day, then transitioning to get the kids from daycare. Like if you mm-hmm. can incorporate something before going into maybe like an intense time would be an ideal sort of break for yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 
So so a sensory strategy that you would use would be whatever feels good to you that helps you release tension and that feeling of just tightness. And so you also want to incorporate some gentle vestibular because that's going to be calming too. And so it could be yoga. It could be going for a walk. It could just be stretching at the kitchen counter. Whatever movement feels good to you, do it. And use that strategically throughout the day to set yourself up to adapt to the noises in your day. Okay. It's really interesting that like if we're talking about building a tolerance or a resilience to or like better managing noise, that just dealing with the noise itself, like maybe it's helpful for a time, but doesn't really give us those other skills to effectively manage it in the long term is what I'm what I'm hearing. Right. And when you just use earplugs to take away the noise, it doesn't actually give you that foundational level of regulation. And so you still may be more touched out or your whole body isn't regulated. You've just removed one demand, Hmm. which is fine when you need to get through a task, you know, but in general. So I had a concussion a couple of years ago and over the last seven, eight months, I've been working with a really fantastic physical therapist and we have been doing a lot of visual vestibular work, a lot of postural response work. And I had been dealing a lot with auditory issues and I had been dealing a lot with feeling touched out and we never did any auditory specific treatment. We never did any tactile specific treatment, but through feeling more grounded in my body, I'm able to adapt to noise and touch better because I just have a better sense of myself where I am in space. I just feel more grounded. And so everything swirling around me I'm able to manage it more because my body's not swirling also, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. And I think that it's really empowering in a lot of ways because when it comes to being touched out in parenthood or it comes to noise in parenthood, these are things that we're not going to eliminate, are we? Like there's some acceptance there that like, listen, I run a ninja training camp. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Mm -hmm. It is what it is. Mm -hmm. And it's going to get probably worse before it gets better. And so we can't always like eliminate the sensory input, I guess. And so learning how to manage ourselves within that. And this takes me from my own perspective through like coping skills for anxiety and stress and burnout Mm -hmm. and how we do that so that we have more capacity to regulate in these moments because it sounds like it has so much to do with where we're at as parents. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And kids are supposed to be loud. Like they're children and so it's okay for them to be loud and it's okay for your partner to come home and wrestle with them. That's how their bodies regulate Mm -hmm. and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And so you want to take care of yourself too in the chaos. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because like my son who's neurodivergent, his regulation when he comes home from school looks a lot like after-school restraint collapse. It looks a lot like flopping on the floor. Mm -hmm. It looks a lot like shrieking out of nowhere and sometimes Mm -hmm. uncontrollably. So times like that when I'm just like, whoa, I will pop in my loops and just like do what I got to do, right? Right. Especially like the shrieking noises that are just so far beyond like what the typical noise level is. And so I find that 
parents who are listening who have children who are maybe like on the spectrum mm-hmm. or who maybe are ADHD or have some of these added behavioral challenges and or sensory challenges probably are taxed in this way, maybe even that much more, if that's fair to say. Yeah, absolutely. And when you have a child who's neurodivergent too, they may be more sensitive to noise. And a lot of times kids who make a lot of noise are sensitive to noise and they make noise because it drowns out everything else. Hmm. And so if you can step back, look at the soundscape because here you're the parent. And so you want to take care of yourself, but you also want to take care of your child. And if they're making a lot of noise because they are in dysregulation, then you also want to support them. So we're going to look at the soundscape of what's happening. You want to find low frequency sounds like the air conditioning, the stove vent, and turn those off because those are signals to your nervous system of like a predator nearby. And so your system's going to want to get the heck out of there. There also might be high frequency sounds like, well, shrieking is one of them, but screens and electronic toys and all of that, those you want to turn off too, because those are distressing. Mm. And so your body will want to orient towards them to like figure out how you can help essentially. And so kind of find the different sounds in the soundscape and what you can turn off. And if there's something that you can't turn off, like if there's like right now our neighbors are doing construction and so we can't ask them not to, mm-hmm. but I can say to myself, oh, that's just a cue of danger. It's fine though. Cause I'm safe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if you can look at your soundscape and figure out what you can take out, then it can support you in handling the noise that you can't control, but it also could support your child and maybe they're not going to make so much noise to themselves because they're not trying to drown out everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I find that like the shrieking or some of that kicks up in like transition times. It is Mm -hmm. busy. It is kind of hectic. And so then we're all ready to start shrieking. (laughs) It's just chaotic for everybody. Yes. But yeah, but we're learning more and more to manage it. We actually had an episode on after school restraint collapse. Oh, yeah. And lots of parents can relate to that neurodivergent or not, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But as you were speaking, it made me think about like sound machines and like relaxing or soothing noises because like it sounds like noise can be very triggering, but I think that noise can also be relaxing if it's the right noise, would you say? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Usually that's something in a mid-range frequency. And so because that's where human voice is, and so it draws you in for connection. And so that's kind of like the hard wiring of human brains. It's the low, mid, and high frequency sounds. They each have their own category, whether you run away from them, whether you run towards them or where you're invited into connection. But what does it for you might change depending on the person. So some people feel really drawn towards ocean sounds or some people really like rain. Some people really like bird sounds and some people really hate bird sounds. Mm. And so that's where you're going to find what works for you. If you like something to be calming and rhythmic, if you like it to be a little bit bouncier with a little more bass, those are going to be dependent on the person. And so you find what works for you. And I personally, like, I just downloaded the Calm app yesterday. Mm. And like, when you open it, the sound, there's like a sound already. And I just like almost fell asleep just (laughs) opening the app. It was so nice. Mm -hmm. So you find what works for you and you can use sound to your advantage as well. 
Yeah, I think that's like an important thing as we think about like wrapping up here is like there is a lot of chaotic sound, but then there is also so much that we can take in. Like I think about summers coming in Toronto. Lord help us. I can't wait for (laughs) summer. And I just think about last summer when the kids were like playing outside and I was hearing like water splashing in the pool. For like non-parents, that might not be a good sound. But for me, the kids being content and me being able to like be in the sun and all like how that feels is just a really good sound and a really good feeling. And so being able to use sound in a way that is calming and relaxing and Mm -hmm. that can regulate us. So we will put on some like family songs that the kids love and we'll put on songs that they like and we'll also move our bodies and have dance parties. And so we're getting some of that movement out if we're feeling agitated. And then we've got a song that we all like and we're singing along to. So sort of just knowing it sounds like what feels good for us in terms of sound and what doesn't. And in our bodies and how we're reacting in those moments. Totally. You know, when you're in a stressful environment, you're more primed to look for the cues of danger. But you can reverse that by giving yourself calming cues. And that's where you would bring in like calming sounds and sounds that feel good to you because you're saying, hey, you know what? We're safe. And here's all these sounds to prove it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you were saying that before when we're doing that five, four, three, two, one mindfulness exercise, mm-hmm. like when we're orienting ourselves to a sound that maybe is familiar or that feels safe, we're kind of like yes. grounding ourselves yeah. in that moment too, right? Absolutely. Tune into the good sounds because they're there. Yeah. Yeah. This is so helpful. Thank you so much for this. I feel like I could like geek out over this stuff all day long, but where <laughs> can people find you online? I know you offer all kinds of resources. Yeah. So I'm on Instagram at warrior.ot. I have a website, warriorot.com. I also have a couple of courses. The first one that I wrote was for parents with children with sensory processing disorders. And then I shifted into helping parents. And so then I wrote another course. It's called Sensing Your Needs in Parenthood. And that helps you understand what your sensory profile is, where in your routine you can put in strategies and then kind of help you in taking care of yourself so you can manage the chaos of the household like we were talking about today. We'll make sure to link all of that in our show notes and in our blog post. And I can't wait to hear from you all on what your thoughts are about this episode. And if you'd like to have Larissa back, we can talk all about being touched out and how we can manage (laughs) that in parenthood as well. So thank you so much for your time for being here. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I'm not going to lie, I love my loop earplugs, so that piece about using them sparingly threw me for a loop, but it makes total sense and I completely understand why that is the case. There are so many things that go into regulating our body in these moments, and noise or extra stimulation around us and in our environment only serve to exacerbate or make bigger the tension or irritation or anxiety we might already be feeling. If you find that you are running at capacity, or if you find that you have higher levels of irritability and you're reacting in ways that you typically wouldn't, I encourage you to speak to a therapist about this. Our wellness center has a team of mom therapists who are trained licensed professionals that also specialize in maternal mental health and they can really help you in your adjustment to motherhood and help you manage some of the underlying causes that we might be more prone to reactivity or irritation in these moments. 
To book a free consult with one of our Canadian therapists, head to happyasamother.co slash book. And for listeners who are international and want to find somebody who's specialized in maternal mental health, I encourage you to go to Postpartum Support International's website, which is postpartum.net, and they have a directory of providers for you there. I'll see you right back here next week, same time and same place, where I am having anthropologist and author Sarah Forbes on the show to answer the question, is motherhood really where sex goes to die? We're going to be talking all things relationship between sex and motherhood. I'll see you right back here next week. I can't even begin to tell you how happy and honored I am that you choose to spend your time here with me each week. If you're looking for the resources and things that were discussed in today's show, you can find them in the show notes, which is linked in the episode description, or you can head directly to happyasamother.co slash podcast and find all of the show notes there. If you're looking for support and connection with other moms, you can head over to facebook.com slash groups slash happy as a mother and join our Facebook community. This community is filled with women just like you and I who want to support and uplift one another through our postpartum journey. And until next episode, mama, I want you to know, keep showing up. You're doing a great job.